What we see today in this church is just the beginning of what God is going to do. He will use this church for an eternal impact, a place where people will find Jesus, they'll find hope, restoration, and healing. A global movement. I believe that the best days are ahead. God is just getting started here. Woven into the fabric of City First Church is a bold spirit of vision vision for the future and vision for today. Vision for life change and miracles as people encounter Jesus through City First Church. We are one church with multiple locations from the Stateline area to Cape Coral, Florida to God Behind Bars and now across the world through our ever-growing church online family. City First Church has continued to grow into a global movement with an eternal impact. We exist to be a movement of God's love, so cities are full of hope and people are full of purpose. This is passionately lived out by introducing everyone to Jesus and teaching them to follow Him. This has always been the heartbeat of City First Church and God is just getting started. My name is Cameron and I've been going to City First Church since 2006. My name's Kevin Shavel. Been coming to City First since 1972. My name is Esther Yang. My family and I have been a part of City First since 1992. Hola, my name is Rosa. My daughter and I have been coming to City First for about nine years. And I've been coming to City First since 2020. Been coming to City First since 1967, so that's been 53 years. I've been going to City First since 2017. And I've been going to City First since I was two years old. Hey, my name is Laura, and uh, I actually gave my life to God uh, when I was about five years old, right over in the South Auditorium. When I first started coming, I wanted God to do something for me. Um, it's been incredible what God has done in me. There's been so many instances where God has worked in our lives. They're really talk, telling the truth that it's not just a friendly church, it's a family church. I have seen so many individuals' lives changed and people giving their lives to Jesus. God has helped me grow a lot in faith and come closer to Him. God set me free and I experienced healing. Well, I got baptized in 2018. It sure was life-changing for my daughter and I. Thank you, City First. You are definitely my home church. Love our church. I enjoy calling City First my home. And I can't wait to see what God has in store in future. The countless stories of life change, including your story, reminds us all that nothing is impossible with God and no one is too far for Him to reach. We look to the future full of faith and expectation for all that God will do as we lift up the name of Jesus. Oh, that's pretty amazing. Come on, one more time. Let's give God our praise. That is huge, right? All that he is doing, 
Some of those people have been coming for decades, literally. Some of them people have been coming for months. Uh, either way, I just want you guys to know, even if it's your first time, uh, welcome to the City First Church family. In fact, I want to say hi to everyone. Join us online right now. You might be in your living room. Uh, listen, wherever you're at, you are a part of this church family. Also, Cape Coral, we love you very much. God behind bars, Dixon and Hardy. Come on, let's say hi to all of them. And, uh, and let's also say hi to everybody. Join us on the Pando app right now from literally all over uh, the nation at all kinds of correctional centers, actually, in America. And obviously, us here at the Spring Creek and State Line locations join us right now. Uh, today is Super Bowl Sunday, all right? So let me take a little bit of a, of a poll here. How many of you are rooting for the Chiefs? Come on, let me hear you. All right, how many of you are rooting for the Buccaneers? How many of you are rooting for the commercials? Right, you know, um, I'm actually, I'm actually rooting for the Buccaneers. I know some of you are like going, "Ah, oh, you're bandwagoning because of Tom Brady." I mean, and stuff. Yeah, he he is the goat. I mean, come on, let's be honest. But it's more than that. You know, uh, Tampa is just two hours north of our Cape Coral location, so I'm I'm rooting for the home team. All right, so just so you know, I'm going for the Florida team. And uh, I don't know if any of you heard that joke about um, Tom Brady when he died and went to heaven. Um, you know, Tom Brady died and he went to heaven and he met God and God was showing him around the, you know, streets of gold and the pearly gates and such like that and brought him to this modest little house. And in this house, uh, in the windows, there were like these faded patriot and like buccaneer flags and such like that. And God looks at Tom and says, Tom, this is your house, your, your home for all eternity. And this is a special thing because not everybody gets one of these. And so Tom felt pretty special. And he's like, all right. So as he's walking up the stairs to the porch, he looks across the street and he sees this three-story mansion, this palatial, like, estate across the street. And this, this house had, like, this blue and orange sidewalk and had, like, this, you know, 50-foot, like, pole with a huge Chicago Bears flag in the front yard. And in the backyard, there was this massive bonfire pit full of all kinds of Green Bay Packer memorabilia and just ready to be set aflame. And, and here is Tom and and he looks back at God and he goes, God, I, I mean, I'm, I'm really grateful that you gave me this, but why in the world does Mitch Trubisky, the quarterback of the Chicago Bears, get a three-story mansion? I mean, he's not even all that good. And he's like overpaid and Tom is just kind of complaining and, and God looks back at Tom and says, oh, Tom, Tom, and he chuckles. He goes, that is not Mitch Trubisky's house that's my house. So, yes, you know I had to come with a Packers joke today. I mean, come on, right? So anyway, no, you know, if it's your first time, you need to know. Jen and I are diehard Bears fans, which means that we're depressed. Um, but anyway, uh, we always have a lot of fun with uh, the Bears and the Packers here. And, and wherever you are at, I hope that you enjoy the Super Bowl today. But really more important than the Super Bowl, today is Vision Sunday for City First, all right? Way more important. 
You know, and every year we always have Vision Sunday on the Super Bowl and we tell people to wear their favorite jerseys and I'm looking across the crowd here at Spring Creek and I'm seeing all kinds of green and yellow and blue and orange and some other jerseys and such like that. So we have a lot of fun, but also we unveil a theme for the year and the theme ends up being pretty important. It's not just some, you know, like we come up with some idea or get some ad agency to give us a cool word or something like that. We actually, Jen and I pray about it. The team here prays about it. We say, God, what is the word? or the sentence or the theme for the year that you want your church, which by the way, City First is God's church. It's not our church. God's church. What do you want your church to do in 2021 for this year? So like last year in 2020, the theme was greater. And we really prayed about it and felt like that was really what God wanted. And boy, I tell you, that ended up having a real significant meaning because a year ago at this time, we had no idea that the world was going to look the way it does today. In fact, in January 2020, I mean, we had kind of heard about some like bat flu going on over, you know, on the other side of the world, but little did we know that COVID-19 would happen and such. And, and God would have to become greater and greater because there's a verse in the Bible that that theme is, is based upon. It says that we must become less and less, that we become less and less and God becomes greater and greater. Well, that's 2020. I mean, right? Uh, our, our boundaries were reduced. I mean, our, our lives were kind of, in a sense, narrowed, and we became less and less, so God had to become greater and greater. I know some people were looking at me going, well, why in 2020 couldn't you have like a theme like prosperity or blessing or, you know, summer beach home or something like that, right? That would have made it a lot better. I don't know. God gave us greater, and you know what? It ended up being something very significant. So Today, we're going to unveil our theme, and I believe it's going to be significant. A lot happened in 2020. A lot has spilled over into 2021. A virus has shut down the world practically and, and pushed people online. In fact, right now, we've seen in the last, uh, well, since March of last year, we've seen our online audience quadruple and more. I mean, like, if you're watching online right now, you're, you're like with a lot of other people, like thousands and thousands of you throughout the week. And, and you know, this is the thing. Our world has become different. A lot of people are online. We're able to connect now online, you know, and we've been able to do, for, do so for quite some time, you know, through the internet and through social media. But I think it's kind of interesting. The very tools or the very platforms that are supposed to bring us together have actually created a lot of separation and division in our nation. You know, if you go on Facebook or, or Instagram or, or whatever, you see there's a lot of like division going on, a lot of opinions about politics or, or uh, current events or, you know, masks or no masks. And I'm I mean, whatever, right? It's like the thing, the medium that unifies us actually separates us to some degree. And, and, and everyone has access to all kinds of information, whether it's correct information or not, it's out there, right? People can push out information. Doesn't even matter who you are. Used to be where you had to be a person of influence. You had to have maybe a certain level of education. You maybe had to have a certain resume of success or accomplish certain things to have a platform to speak to the masses. Well, now all you need is a TikTok account. I mean, you really don't need it. You, you can be an, a person of influence. You can, you can put out information. You can try to influence those that are, are following you, whether it be dozens of followers or millions of followers or whatever. You, you have a platform. And so in many ways, the world has become flat. It's no longer kind of like this hierarchy. It's, it's like there's, when it comes to information, that is, when it comes to influence, it's, it's kind of flat. In fact, uh, hundreds of years ago, people in the world actually thought 
the physical world was flat. Like you could take a ship and you could sail it off the edge of the world. That's what they believed. Until in the 1500s, a guy by the name of Magellan came along. And when he came along, he actually went around the world. He sailed around the world. He circumvented it and proved that the world is round. Well, I'm here to tell you in 2021 that when it comes to information, it comes to influence, the world is flat again. It's interesting because now anybody can have influence. In fact, if you study in the 2000s, you, can, you find that there was a guy with a Facebook post who, who basically said that they wanted to start a revolution in Egypt, and one million people liked his post, and within about a year, the entire nation had overturned its leader. It all started with one Facebook post. So, so here's the thing. We got to understand that information is being pushed out in a much different way than what many of us grew up with. And anyone with a social media account can have influence. In fact, there's even now a name and a profession for this. It's called the influencer. So if you go to like Soho, New York, and you ask somebody on the street, what do you do? And they're like, I'm an influencer. Okay, what does that mean? Well, it means that they have an Instagram account or a TikTok account or, or some sort of a social media account, and they're able to influence. One of the most famous influencers of our time is a gal by the name of Kim Kardashian, right? She has over 200 million followers on Instagram. She pushes a product, and it sells out like that. Or her stepsister, Kylie Jenner, who has actually more followers than Kim does, um, 214,000 or 214 million, excuse me, um, followers. Actually, companies will hire her to push out a product, and she gets paid up to a million dollars a post. So, like, for example, she just does an Instagram post that says, I like this face cream. Okay? And she makes a million dollars, and it sells like hotcakes. It's kind of interesting in the world we live in, right? In fact, a uh, guy by the name of George Clooney, many of you know him. He's an actor. He was on uh, Jimmy Kimmel uh, about maybe three months ago or so. And when he was on this late-night talk show with Jimmy Kimmel, he announced that he uses a Floby to cut his hair. Like, I don't know if any of you saw this or not. Now, I grew up in the 80s. Some of you don't even know what a Floby is. I remember the Floby. Like, I remember when it was invented in the 80s. And it's like this attachment you put on the end of a vacuum hose, and you kind of run it across your head, and it cuts your hair and sucks all of the clippings into the vacuum. And, and it was kind of a joke back in the day. Now, some of you don't know what a Floby is, so I thought, well, I'm going to pull a video real quickly just to let you see it. This right here is a Floby. Watch this. Hey, let me give myself a haircut. And uh, I've had a haircut since 2019. Not really an option right now, so let's try out the Floby. Show you how it's done. This is the result. Not too bad, it's not great, but it gets me by. I don't have to pay for it. So that, ladies and gentlemen, is a Floby. That's what George Clooney told the world he uses on his hair. No joke. Now, I don't know for whether he's, he's being honest or not, but get this, in 24 hours, in 24 hours, the Floby sold out worldwide. Only because George Clooney said that he used it. Now, think about that kind of influence. And what's really fascinating about Facebook or Instagram or YouTube or TikTok or whatever, it's now that the primary way of influencing and communication, listen, is not through written word, but through image. 
Now, I know some of you that love books, you're not going to like that. And I, I'm not even saying it's right. I'm just telling you the way it is. In fact, what you find is you find that people are more influenced through video, through audio, and through pictures right now than ever before. It's why on Facebook, people are forwarding like videos and, and on TikTok, they're, they're, they're making videos with music and things like that. And here's the reason why it has a way of influencing at a different level. And, and ironically, it's actually the way that you and I were originally designed to think and to learn that we actually learn. If you think about it, before you could read, you learned through images, through sounds and through what you are seeing with your eyes. It's the reason why that you dream in images and not in words. No one in this room or any room I'm talking to right now has ever had a dream all in words. It's images. It's the reason why Jesus told stories called parables. He didn't preach five-point sermons. He didn't go verse by verse through the Old Testament. He told stories because that's the way that we learn. So here's the thing. If you want to have influence, create an image that compels people to change. An image that compels people to change. We remember this, a very dark moment in 2020, when George Floyd was under the knee of a police officer, we saw that image. Millions of people, billions around the world saw that image, and it solicited an emotion, and it solicited some change, right? You see, if you would have just read the story, it wouldn't have been the same. See, when you see images, when you see, you know, motion, video, when you hear sounds, it moves and solicits an emotion. And so there's a story of Jesus where the Pharisees, who are the religious leaders of the day, they're, they're, they don't like Jesus at all. They're always trying to trap him. They're always trying to tell, you know, ask him questions and have him say things that get him kind of like in trouble. And so one time a Pharisee comes to him and, and basically says, hey, listen, um, what do you think about this whole idea of, and I'm paraphrasing, but what do you think about this whole idea of paying taxes to Caesar? Well, some theologians believe in Jesus's day that the Jewish people had to pay upwards of 70 plus percent of their annual income to taxes. So taxes, that was a hot spot. You think it's kind of a, it's a hot topic right now in America? I mean, it was a real hot topic back then because, I mean, the Jewish people did not like having to pay those kind of taxes, especially to what they considered to be a pagan empire. And so they're trying to trap Jesus because if he answers and says, you know what, um, you shouldn't do that, well, then all of a sudden the Roman government's going to come after him. And if he answers, you should, you know, pay taxes to Caesar, then the Jewish people are going to be frustrated with him. And so it was a trap. So what he does is he answers, as he says this in Matthew chapter 22, show me the coin used for paying the tax. They brought him a denarius. And he asked them, whose image is this? In other words, just like our quarter, you know, like our coins have an image of a president on it, okay? All right, well, here's the thing. It's the same way back in, in Roman days that the, the coin had an image of Caesar on it. And so Jesus asked, whose image is this? Whose inscription? And they answered, obviously, it's Caesar. And he said, well, pay unto Caesar what is Caesar's and pay unto God what is God's. And he dodged the bullet, you could say. 
Well, the reason I tell that story is because Jesus's original language that he spoke in was Aramaic. Um, he didn't speak in English. He spoke in Aramaic. And, uh, and when they translated the stories of Jesus in the New Testament, like the Gospels, they actually translated or wrote it originally in the Greek. So it was, it was written in Greek. So when they recorded the story of Jesus saying whose image, he didn't use the English word image. Instead, they wrote it, the Greek word, icon, E-I-K-O-N. That's the original Greek word for our English word, image. Now, we get the English word, I-C-O-N, from the Greek word, icon, and we pronounce it the same way, icon. And so what really it is, is, is Jesus was saying, whose image is this? Well, that image is not, you know, that's not literally Caesar. That's an image of Caesar, right? Now, we understand this idea. It represents Caesar, or like our coin represents a president. It's not literally the president that's on that coin, and we understand this with icons. Like, let me, let me show you this. What does this represent right here? Eiffel Tower, right? Now, this is not the Eiffel Tower. It's an icon or an image that represents the Eiffel Tower. How about, how about this one right here? What is this? Peace, right? Now, this is not literally peace. It represents peace. It's an icon. How about this one right here? That represents an addiction. That's right. That's what that represents, all right? Now, again, that's not literally Starbucks. It is, it's a symbol or a logo or an icon. Now, this one might be a little bit harder. What about this one? What does this represent? Some of you music fans, you know, it's Prince. In fact, Prince, um, at one point, he stopped wanting to be, go or going by the name of Prince. He wanted to actually just be represented by an icon like this symbol. He was a little different, but he was a good musician. All right. All right. How about this? Is this the icon of Jesus right here? Does this represent Jesus? Well, the answer is actually, no, it doesn't. This cross represents the movement that Jesus began, Christianity. So if anything, this cross is an icon of Christianity. What is the icon or what is the symbol of Jesus? Some of you might say, well, maybe it's that little fish I see on the back of cars sometimes. You know, they have this little fish. It's called an ichthus. Well, that actually was the representation or the icon of the early church. So no, that's not the icon of Jesus. What is the icon of Jesus? Like if we are to say this represents Jesus, what's the icon? Here's the question or the answer to the question. And that is, it's you and me. You are the icon of Jesus. I am the icon of Jesus. In other words, there is no icon of Jesus that you can find because it is you and me. We are the ones who bear the image of Jesus in our life. And you see in Romans chapter 8, Paul is writing, he says, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed into the image of What's the word there? Again, what's the Greek word? What do you think it is? Icon, the icon of his son, capital S, meaning Jesus, so that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. In other words, the word there that is being used is that we are to be conformed and transformed into the icon or the image of the one that is greater, right? Icon. In other words, Remember, if you want to have influence, create an image or an icon that compels 
people to change. This world is full of all kinds of icons that are trying to influence you and I. Believe certain things, buy into certain things, to do certain things. And here begs the question, how are Christians using their influence? Well, there's all kinds of answers to that, right? And instead of going down the rabbit hole and talking about it, let me maybe frame the question a little bit more personal for us. Are we portraying an accurate icon or image of Jesus? Are we really being an accurate icon or image of Jesus? Because we are God's icon. We are his image bearer. The living God said, I'm going to put myself upon you. You will become the image of me through time. And, and, and here's the thing about an icon. An icon, you look through it to something greater. Like no one wants to go visit the icon of the Eiffel Tower. They want to actually go to the Eiffel Tower, right? So you look through the icon to something greater. An icon doesn't get the focus. And, and some of you go, well, I thought an icon was wrong, like an idol. No, an idol and an icon are very different. An idol becomes the center of attention. An icon points to something else. Do you hear that? So therefore, we are not an idol. We're an icon. We should not be the center of attention, but rather people should look through us and they should see somebody greater. Does that make sense? So again, let me make it crystal clear. When people see an icon, they don't focus on the icon. They give attention to what it represents. So people even, should they even see us? Or should they see us and see Jesus? Does that make sense? Because an icon is made in the likeness of the greater thing. If it doesn't look like the thing is supposed to represent, it creates a lot of confusion. Like, for example, how about if I were to look at you and say, this is the icon of the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco, right here. Now, you'd look at me and go, no, that's not a good icon. Because actually, the Golden Gate Bridge doesn't look anything like that. That looks like the Sydney Harbor Bridge in Australia. And, and I'd say, no, 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 you got to understand, this right here, this this is the Golden Gate Bridge. It's, it's the icon for the Golden Gate Bridge. And you go, no, no, no. It created a lot of confusion. You would say this. You say, Jer, it's a bridge, but it doesn't look like the Golden Gate Bridge. And here, here, culture, we have a problem. Here's where we have a problem in our culture. We have people who say they're Christians, but they look nothing like Jesus. So, yeah, they're a Christian, but they're a poor representation of the greater thing because their life doesn't look anything like what it's supposed to be modeled after. So you know what's happening? Christians are losing influence in our culture, and it doesn't have much to do with the fact of who is in the White House or not, or who is you know, in front of the TV you know, talking to people or not, or who the influencers are on Instagram or not. It has everything to do with a bunch of people that call themselves Christians, but unfortunately they look nothing like the greater thing that they're supposed to represent. That's where we're losing traction in our culture. 
And I, I realize that's, that's super controversial to say that, but it's really true because this is the thing. Christianity throughout the 2,000 years that it's been around since Jesus died and rose again and went to heaven, Christianity has never rose and fall fell upon who is in power, but rather it would go up or down based upon how true its followers were to being a correct and accurate icon of Jesus. I mean, that's, that's, that's really, really what influences culture. Because again, if you want to have influence, create an image that compels people to change. Create an image. I believe some of you already know what the theme is for 2021. You probably are like, okay, yeah, you're even literally wearing the hoodie, right? Iconic. We are going to be iconic in 2021. That is our theme, iconic. Yeah, you can give that a round of applause. And here's our prayer. And will we be perfect at it? No. And will we give it our best? Yes. But we are going to, as a church, try to accurately portray the image of Jesus in this world. Will we be perfect? No. Will you, in fact, let me say this to every person that's, that's our guest today. Will you find faults in this church? Yes. In fact, I have a whole list of them. <laughs> and a lot of them start with me. And a lot of them start with you. I mean, honestly, all of us as human beings, the person on the stage, the person that's sitting in a chair, the person that's in their living room right now who calls City First Church home, really, if we want to talk about imperfection, it starts with us. And so, yeah, there's going to be problems. There's going to be things that we're falling short on. But this is what we're going to do. We will not be perfect, but we are going to try to be super authentic to represent the real Jesus. And we're going to do everything we can to share with the culture and the communities around us that won't always agree with what we believe, but we're going to try to show them the real Jesus. Does that make sense? And, and, and I just want to say there's too much, too much at risk to portray a distorted icon of the one who saves the lost. There's too much at risk for us to be showing a distorted icon, a distorted image of the all-powerful King of Kings, Lord of Lords. There's too much at stake. Literally, eternity's at stake. See, this is what I see as a pastor in 2021, I saw it in 2020, I saw it well before even COVID. And that is that many times in culture, people try to take the real Jesus and transform him or conform him into an image that fits their lifestyle or their pre-existing choices. So, so they make Jesus look a lot like them. They say, oh, well, this is who Jesus is. And you know what's funny is, is when you look at their version of Jesus, it looks a lot like them. But that's not the way an icon is supposed to be. An icon is actually supposed to change to look like the authentic greater thing and the greater person in this case of Jesus. So therefore, you and I might have to do some shifting and some, some shaking and some remolding of our life so that we portray Jesus in a right way. We're going to try to do it. We're going to give it a shot. We're going to, in 2021, try to be iconic in an accurate way of representing who Jesus really was and who he is. Because 
Jesus many times is just thrown into certain camps as a way of saying, almost like a good luck charm, yeah, Jesus is like this because Jesus looks a lot like us. And instead, what we want to do is say, you know what? We want to be a part of Jesus's camp. And we, we want to actually change our life to look like him and, and then be a loud representation of that to our world. So in 2021, we want to be iconic in our love. How did Jesus really love people? He wasn't just a cuddly teddy bear that just, you know, loved and didn't have any kind of guidelines or instructions or commands. No, he loved in an unconditional way, which means there were not conditions, but also he gave very strict instructions as to how we are to live. Uh, you know, are, are we going to be iconic in our compassion towards others? Like Jesus was not just sympathetic, he was empathetic. In other words, empathetic means you feel with. Sympathetic says, I feel bad for you. Empathy says, I feel with you. So therefore, Jesus had compassion that also went with empathy, and we want to be iconic in our compassion. We want to be iconic in our convictions. I mean, Jesus told us the way to live. You, you, don't, you don't hear about that a lot in today's culture. You always hear about, you know, kind of, you know, his love, but he also had some pretty good instructions. And so, you know, how are we to have convictions that are modeled after Jesus? Iconic in our forgiveness. Oh man, this is where he went. He went real deep. He said things like, love your enemies, pray for them. In a sense, bless them. I mean, my goodness. Imagine if in like this last year and even this year, if people would have prayed and blessed their enemies instead of just talking them down on social media, what would our world be like, right? You know, how can we be iconic in our forgiveness? How can we be iconic in our relationships? Next week, I'm gonna talk about relationships. It is Valentine's Day. The best way that you can start off your Valentine's Day is to come to church, by the way, just so you know that. Um, some of you are like, oh, that's not a fun date. Oh yeah, it will be. Put Jesus in the middle of your relationship. He should be there anyway. It ain't gonna work all the way like it's supposed to work unless Jesus is in the middle of it. So you know what? Why don't you start out your date by coming to church and then go out afterwards, all right? Um, but you know, I'm gonna talk about how to have an iconic relationship. In other words, how to have relationships that, that, that have Jesus in the middle and look like Jesus, and maybe even could be a testimony to other people. How can we be iconic in our generosity? How can we be iconic in our selfish, selflessness? How can we be iconic in our mission? These are all things over the next couple months we're gonna talk about because we're beginning this series called Iconic Today. And I'm gonna break down, and as well as Jen and, and Ryan, and a few of us are gonna break down these ideas of how to be a proper image bearer of Jesus in these arenas, whether it be selflessness or generosity or compassion or love or convictions. And I'm telling you, you will not want to miss one week. But for this week, we want to have an eternal influence. And if we want to do that, we must be an accurate icon of Jesus that compels others to change. We're going to continue to love God, love people, and love life at all of our locations. We're going to continue to do all kinds of ministry at all of our locations. And as we close here, 
In a second, I, I just want to take a moment and announce some really exciting things that are going to happen. First thing is this, and is in 2021, we're launching a brand new 20-somethings ministry that's going to focus just on that age demographic. That's going to be a great place where they can find community. And you know, a lot of people in that age demographic at all of our locations and in the nation are not real interested in faith, but we want to create a contagious, inviting kind of environment where people in their 20s can come and find community and also be introduced to the real Jesus. And you know, it's gonna be absolutely amazing. Second thing we're gonna do, we're gonna start something called City First Anywhere. And you're like, what is that? Well. I thought about this. I thought, you know what? It's kind of interesting. We have all these brick and mortar locations. Well, here's the thing. The world has changed. And, and now, why don't we have hundreds of locations? Okay, okay. Why don't we have thousands of locations? Some of you are like going, what do you mean? Well, why does it have to be brick and mortar? The church is where two or three are gathered together in his name. So therefore, we already have thousands of people watching. Why don't we encourage them to invite their neighbor or their coworker or their fellow student to watch with. And now all of a sudden it becomes a city first anywhere location. And we empower you and we equip you and we enable you to reach the neighborhood and the community that you're in. Because I know this, we, we're being told all the time, like right now, there's probably one of our groups that is watching in Haiti right now. There's a family that watches in Haiti almost every single week. Well, you know what? Why don't we have a city first church Haiti location? Because here's the thing. All you gotta do is invite some friends. Wherever two or three are gathered together, it could be in a coffee shop, it could be in a break room, it could be in a lunch room, it could be in a living room, it could be anywhere. So be listening for that. It's gonna be pretty exciting. Number three, hope now, hope always. This is something that in 2020, we started to give away food, tangible like resource to people in need. So far to date, we've given away 1.7 million pounds of food, which is pretty amazing because of your generosity. But we're gonna to continue to do that. In fact, poverty right now, all of the stats are showing that poverty is increasing in an exponential way. And so therefore, we as a church are gonna to continue to give hope. Hope now, hope always. We're gonna to continue to give away resource to help people. Number four, you heard me talk about this last year, talk about a dream center. And, and to date, a, a physical brick and mortar building has not materialized either here or at Cape, but we started to think about it. Why do we need to wait for a building? Why don't we act like a dream center before we have a dream center? Why don't we start doing these things? And so in 2021, we are gonna launch the dream center. And you know what? A building will come. In God's time, a building will come. But now it's gonna be like, let's do the effort of this. So we're gonna act like a dream center until we have a dream center. Lastly, the last thing, and there's more, but I don't have time. The last thing, we're gonna launch City First Academy. Again, we were gonna do that last year, but COVID hit us, shelter in place, couldn't gather in person. We started thinking about it and we started to become a little bit more agile. And so we're thinking, you know what? Yeah, we'll have like City First Academy where people who are adults can further their education on a night during the week where they can learn biblical studies or they could learn like, you know, be taught leadership studies and things like that that are accredited. But why can't we also try to do that online? And so there's all these things that are swirling. And so I'm looking forward to this fall that we're going to start announcing how we can get involved, how you can get involved in City First Academy. If you want to learn more about the Bible at an academic level, some of you are hungry to do that. You know, 
all, this is, this is a great opportunity for you. If you wanna learn more about leadership at an academic level, this is gonna be a great opportunity for you also. So these are ways that we're gonna still gather, still gonna get there on weekends, still gonna do life groups, still gonna do growth tracks, still gonna have all kinds of ministries to kids, to youth, to young adults, to adults, to seniors, still gonna raise up world changers to the City First Leadership College, still gonna give to local, national, and world missions. We're still gonna educate kids through Christian Life schools here in the State Line area. We're gonna host the original Women's Conference up here as well as Southwest Florida. We're still gonna have Thrive Conference, marriage, men's events, all those kind of things. But you know what, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, we wanna do this. We wanna do like what Paul talks about in Ephesians. He says this, he wrote, watch what God does, then you do it. That's what we wanna do. All these ministries are all just culminated in this thought. Watch what God does, look what Jesus did, and then just do it. Let's be an accurate icon of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We're gonna sing a song before we dismiss, and. This song was written by Kurt Franklin many years ago, and it's called My World Needs You Right Now. And what I love actually about this, this song is that it not only means my world needs you, Jesus, right now, but it also means my world needs you right now. Like not only do you personally need Jesus right now, <laughs> like right? But on top of that, your world, like your school, your workplace, your neighborhood, your community, your city, where you live needs Jesus right now. And may this song be a prayer as we close. May this be an anthem of 2021 as we say, God, we want to be iconic. We want to have you in my world right now, but at the same time, we want you in my world right now. We wanna be an accurate representation. So Jesus, make this more than a song. Make it an anthem. We wanna be accurate icons of you. We want people to find hope. Lord, our world needs you right now. My world needs you right now. In Jesus' name, amen.
before we dismiss, I think I'd be remiss if I didn't give a invitation very briefly of an important invitation to anybody who says, my world personally needs Jesus right now. And right now he's not in it. Like, like you're like, I, I need to make Jesus the leader and the forgiver of my life. And maybe you're here for the very first time or maybe you're watching for the very first time. And, and, and if you just say, you know what? I need Jesus to be in my life. I need him to be the leader and the forgiver. The Bible says, Lord and Savior then I wanna give you an opportunity to do that. And you can just pray a prayer, not join a church or anything like that. You're just praying, God, come into my life. Jesus, come in, forgive me. And, and, and I'd like us to all pray this together so no one feels like they're praying it alone. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes and let's just all repeat this prayer together in every location, even in your living room right now. Just repeat this prayer after me. Jesus, I come to you today and I need you in my world. Forgive me for all I've done wrong. Come into my life. I believe you died for me. I wanna live for you. I accept your unconditional love. Thank you for loving me in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen, come on, let's give God praise. Can we do that? Amen.